Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, February 21st, 2020. And on today's report, I will be looking at Michael Bloomberg, who has now forced or about his way into the Democrat debates and is suddenly a very legitimate candidate for the Democrat Party's nomination. Who is this man, Michael Bloomberg? Where did he come from? Mr. Bloomberg insists that we look at him and he is willing to pay dearly for our attention. Since the debate last Wednesday night, I have been seeing commercials from Mr. Bloomberg in which Barack Obama appears with him. I suppose that means that the Obama-Clinton team are all in with Bloomberg and all out with current frontrunner Bernie Sanders. President Obama said he would intervene if Sanders looked like he would be nominated, and now he's doing it. Perhaps it also means a VP spot for Mrs. Clinton. We'll have to wait and see. Time will tell. In just a little over three months, he has spent more than $400 million on his campaign for the Democrat nomination. Every time you turn on your TV or look at YouTube on your phone, you will see Michael Bloomberg and hear that, quote, Mike will get it done, end quote. We will, therefore, indulge him and devote this Castle Report to learning something about him that 30-second sound bites cannot tell us. We don't have to look very far for information. It's hard to avoid him right now. The Sunday edition of the New York Times last Sunday, a front-page article about him. He has spent so much money, bought so many TV and Internet commercials, we can't help but know what he wants us to know. We will endeavor to look beyond the purchased media for other information that may prove helpful. He was born February 14, 1942, so happy birthday, Mr. Bloomberg, 78 years old this month, the same as Bernie Sanders, I believe, unlike Mr. Sanders. Mr. Bloomberg has worked for a living outside government. He built a business, has made a few payrolls, attended Johns Hopkins University and Harvard Business School. He built and is still majority owner of Bloomberg LP, which makes its money by selling subscriptions for information and market data analysis. He has listed net worth of more than $61 billion. He is therefore not diminished very much by his outlay so far. He says he's willing to spend more than a billion dollars on his presidential campaign. He was a lifelong Democrat until 2001. When he switched to the Republican Party to run for mayor of New York, he was elected mayor in 2002 and served until 2013. I remember his campaign very well because my daughter was a student at New York University then, and I spent a lot of time in New York. The controversy then was the same as it is now. He spent more than $100 million dollars on his campaign for mayor, he switched his political affiliation to independent in 2007. And in 2018, he switched back to the Democrat Party, where he remains today. In 2004, he endorsed George W. Bush, and he was a speaker at the Republican National Convention. His website says that a sense of duty and common purpose has guided him throughout his life when someone is willing to spend more than a billion dollars to obtain a job that pays less than half a million, then you know something about the lure of power, its seductive, addictive nature. 
If we were to compare him and current frontrunner Bernie Sanders, we would see some similarities and some differences. They are both white, both Jewish, both 78-year-old men. They both want to be emperor of the world. They want it very badly, very desperately. But the similarities seem to end there. Mr. Bloomberg is a billionaire many times over. Bernie Sanders is, as Mr. Bloomberg pointed out in the debate, the nation's best-known socialist and a millionaire with three houses. Mr. Bloomberg founded and runs a company that has made him worth $61 billion, while Mr. Sanders gives me the impression if he took over a small grocery store free of debt, it would be bankrupt in six months. Mr. Bloomberg and Donald Trump seem to have some things in common as well, although they apparently hate each other passionately. They both live and built their fortunes in New York City. They both use their fortunes to enter the political arena. They both have a habitual way of committing what the media refers to as gaffes, but to me just seems like the actual truth about what they really believe. President Trump has taken to calling Mr. Bloomberg mini-Mike, I suppose to imply that he is small. He's actually 5'8", which is about average to slightly below for American men. This, that is exactly what he recently said about Mr. Bloomberg's use of his money. Quote, what Mini Mike is doing is nothing less than a large-scale illegal campaign contribution. He is spreading money all over the place, only to have recipients of his cash payments, many former opponents happily joining or supporting his campaign. Isn't that called a payoff? He then tweeted out the following, quote, many is illegally buying the Democrat nomination. They are taking it away from Bernie again. Many Mike, major party nominations are not for sale. Good luck in the debate tomorrow night. Remember, no standing on boxes, end quote. When I was a candidate for president in 2016, I had a lot of trouble persuading media companies to cover my campaign or to even mention me. Under the law, the media does not have to cover a campaign or give a candidate attention. The law does require media companies to sell media to candidates at the lowest prevailing rate. If I had a net worth of $61 billion, I could have bought enough media and media-associated people to force voters to at least listen to my views, even for only 30 seconds at a time. Sometimes purchasing media exposure is the only way to get it. If you've seen one of Bloomberg's commercials, you have a TV or a computer, I know you have, then you know what his campaign slogan is. Mike will get it done. He runs commercials showing turtles, birds, and other cute animals, and then says he will end the war on science. Other commercials and announcements say that he will save the planet. The late George Carlin used to do a very funny skit about the arrogance of saying, you're going to save the planet. I can hear him now. Quote, these arrogant bourgeois liberals think they can save the planet. The planet is fine. Just leave it alone. The people are bad, end quote, although George didn't use the term bad. He also said that he intends to fix Wall Street. I guess he feels free to do that now that he has made his fortune there. Now he can fix it. Since he made his money in financial services and in the past has criticized efforts at reform of the financial crisis, I suppose he feels particularly qualified to lead these reforms. Among his proposed reforms, 
a 0.1% tax on transactions in stocks, bonds, payments, on derivative contracts, all of which go straight back to clients of his financial services firm. He would use the collected revenue to impose regulations on Wall Street firms. He falls short of his rival, Bernie Sanders, who calls for Wall Street banks to be broken up. I should probably talk about last Wednesday's debate, as difficult as it may be to do so. The debate held in Las Vegas, Nevada, was billed as a heavyweight title fight, but if it was, then it was the first heavyweight title fight without a heavyweight or even a title. Mr. Bloomberg did well, in my view, although many people say otherwise. He was hammered by all the others. He is, after all, late arrival at their family reunion. He did his best to remain poised and did not get rattled when the others attacked him. Their attacks directly directed primarily at him are indications that they fear him as their greatest rival. They are right to do so because he comes across as the most confident and most electable of the bunch, even the womanizing racism attacks didn't seem to phase him very much. He just shrugged them off with kind of a it's no big deal way. He gives the appearance of someone competent who could handle foreign leaders and run the swamp as it is. His policies are basically Obama too, i.e. taxed to death, return the Paris Climate Change Agreement, apologize to China, tell the rest of our enemies that we really didn't mean it, while his wife wags her finger in our faces and tells us to eat more kale and stop drinking soda. Mr. Bloomberg has papered many of his problems that have occurred in his life with money. I wonder, as president, if he would try to do the same thing with our money. A good example would be the lady who accused Judge Brett Kavanaugh of sexually assaulting her when they were both very young. He had the audacity to express misgivings about this lady's testimony. He also questioned the hashtag MeToo movement as it related to accusations against news anchor Charlie Rose. He was coincidentally scheduled to be a headline speaker at Emily's List, which is an organization of that movement. His comments, published in the New York Times, didn't sit well with the ladies of Emily's List, but Mr. Bloomberg has so much money, he simply can't be ignored, so he spoke anyway. During his speech, he pointed out that during the last election cycle, he had given more than $100 million to the political campaigns of women, and those 20, of those 21 have been elected. Money buys a lot of things, buys friendship, loyalty, especially elections. Joe Biden said on Meet the Press last weekend when questioned about Mr. Bloomberg's recent rise, Joe Biden said, quote, $60 billion will buy you a lot of advertising, but it won't erase your record, end quote. Perhaps his most difficult position regarding Democrat voters was his stop-and-frisk policy when he was mayor of New York. He made some statements to explain why he instituted it, and many Democrats considered them racially inflammatory, and a clear avenue on which to attack him, stop-and-frisk, was necessary, he said, to keep people in minority neighborhoods from killing each other. Gun control wasn't the problem. It wasn't the issue because New York has the tightest gun laws in the country. But the targets of stop and frisk still had their guns. His policy ran afoul of the Fourth Amendment, but 
He continued to do it anyway because it got results. Racism with the criminal justice system is now a Democrat Party orthodoxy. Even the merest mention of the possibility of a different explanation will get you banned for life from all accepted circles in the woke culture in the woke world. Mr. Bloomberg is now on his apology tour, trying abjectly to convince Democrat voters that he really didn't mean it. He would have been better off to just let them kill each other. No more racially insensitive misogynistic policies for me, he says. You'll just let me have your nomination, I promise. I'll be a good elitist like all the rest of you. Race is not the only thing Mr. Bloomberg is trying to overcome right now because it seems that in 2016 he went over to Oxford University and made some remarks about farmers that have come back to haunt him. Quote, I could teach anybody, even the people in this room, to be a farmer. He went on to make jokes about the lack of intelligence of farmers, referred to agriculture as a process. He said these people could be replaced with technology, which has the skill sets to think and analyze. You have to have a lot more gray matter to do that, he said, than just a farmer. Perhaps the most important thing he has said recently was his admission, his admission that death panels would be necessary in the new health care system. He said that health care is unaffordable for everyone. You can't give it to everyone for free, he says, and that if you are 90 years old and have prostate cancer, for example, we will have to tell you, sorry, we can't help you. So once again, in this Democrat elitist nanny state way, we know everything and you don't, the government and Mr. Bloomberg's administration decides who lives and who dies. It was a vitally important admission because it confirmed that the only way to afford free health care is for, for all is to empower the single payer who provides it to make the ultimate decision of what the word all really means. Finally, folks, all the candidates on the debate stage in Las Vegas last Wednesday night, without exception, are perfect examples of H.L. Mencken's quote about politicians. Quote, the state, or to make matters more concrete, the government, consists of a gang of men exactly like you and me. They have, taking one another, no special talent for the business of government. They have only a talent for getting and holding office. Their principal device to that end is to search out groups who paint and pine for something they can't get and to promise to give it to them nine times out of ten, that promise is worth nothing. The tenth time it's made good by loading A to satisfy B. In other words, government is a broker in pillage, and every election is a sort of advanced auction on stolen goods, end quote. At least that's the way I see it, folks. Until next time, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.